Hello, hello. It's the Leafs this week. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me, walking you through actually a week of Leafs hockey. Uh, man, it's been a while since we've done our Sunday show. It's been a while since we've had a full week of Leafs games to break down. Gordo, how you doing on this wonderful Sunday? I'm great. I'm pumped. We had some um, real, real exciting hockey last night, and we had three games for the week. But you're right. You know, it's kind of like... The last two Sundays we had holidays and then we were also like at the airport just watching cancel, cancel, postpone, whatever. <laughs> so uh, it's just nice to get that kind of relatively, relatively normal weekend, Brent. Yeah, it'll, uh, we'll, we'll give you a quick little walk through the week before we dive right into what was an exceptional hockey game last night. You know, I think it's fair to say that was that was one of, if not the most exciting game uh, the Leafs have played in. You know, I know they had a fun game against the Lightning, and there was that game that went to overtime against the Rangers, and that was that was some incredible hockey. But, man, that, that game last night, uh, it, it was special. So let's just quickly kind of run down uh, what, what led us to this point in 2022. You had the two games at Scotiabank that, you know, hey, you get four points out of two games. You're never going to sneeze at that. But, man, uh, you know, I was somebody who wondered, eh, how much do you miss the fans uh the second the game started it was pretty apparent it's just it is not the same without fans in the building good on the Leafs for taking care of business against the Sens and against the Oilers but man uh it's night and day I feel like doesn't even do justice how different the game last night felt versus the two games uh at Scotiabank earlier this week well you know Brent it's it's it is interesting you feel the same way we got this reprehensible feeling in that okay COVID world hit and the NHL and NHLPA worked the bubble. I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was phenomenal what they did to get the playoffs done. Last year, we viewed no fans in the building. Okay, it's a reality. And it's a reality to get a season in. It was a 56-game season. We know about that. You know, stayed in your division. But it was a reality. This time, you know, okay, not maybe arrogantly. We kind of feel... I don't think we ever felt we're out of it, but we, we you know, we're feeling it. We're feeling it. Uh, you and I mentioned being down there. The, the place was buzzed. You know, the, the place was jacked. I really liked it. The crowds were really vocal, really into it, having not been able to be there for a year. And you're right. Just, you know, okay, four points is four points. That's the positive in those two wins. But right away, when you see no fans, you go, no. And actually, that's what the NHL is saying right now. They're trying to, you know, reschedule as many games as possible. It's It's not as much the aesthetics it's more the financial part of it but yeah this wasn't what was really in the cards this year hopefully hopefully if it's a three-week lockdown or shutdown we're in now that's all it'll be but yeah that uh, last night got us back to this is the way NHL hockey should be yeah, and the good news is is that the Leafs don't have to uh, play that waiting game for the next uh, week or so because they're, they're out on the road, and uh, you're going to have to put on the coffee if you want to watch it because it's going to be a bunch of late-night hockey uh, this week. But, yeah, in, in terms of last night's game, you know, Matthews started. It was just an incredible start to the game for him. The Leafs jump out to that big 3 nothing lead. And, you know, maybe we can start with just kind of a conversation about Matthews and, and McKinnon. You know, I think McDavid is still the clear one above everybody else in this game. But I think, you know, if you're having, we were talking about it a little on the postgame show last night in terms of if you start in a franchise, there's no way to go wrong with Matthews and McKinnon. And I guess the, the question I have for you is, is there anybody else who's kind of in that club for you? I think McDavid is, is alone by himself. There's Matthews and McKinnon. You know, I know some people would want to put Barkov in there as well. Uh, how, how big is that group of players that you think you can have a conversation with of who would you rather have Matthews, McKinnon? Is, is there anyone else? should kind of throw into that that mix 
No, that's it. That's it. It's funny. Our, our son, Justin, asked the same question. Who would you have, Matthews or McKinnon? You, you, you can't go wrong with either. Um, I always look at that McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, have each other as far as two superstar players. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not a fair way to look at it. But uh, in this case, these guys are the standalone players on their respective teams. The one difference, and we saw it last night, McKinnon's with a line that the Leafs can't match. The Leafs maybe can match them depth-wise, which is debatable, but that one line. I mean, Nazem Kadri is their leading scorer, and he's not on that line. He was on that line when McKinnon was injured. But you you look at that you know, with Ranton and Landeskog, and then you throw Kale McCarr, the leading goal-scoring defenseman there, if he's on. And in the third period, you really saw, like, and, and that's taking nothing away from Austin Matthews. Kerfoot played great with him as well. There's so many positives on the Leafs' side. But that line, Nathan McKinnon on, uh, Connor McDavid nor Austin Matthews have a line like that. That could change in two years. That could change, whatever it may be. But I think that's the one difference, Brent. Yeah, I guess if the Leafs wanted to, they could, and they do this at times, right? Loading it up with Nylander, joining Marner and Matthews, or sometimes it's Tavares who gets the bump, but it's just not consistent. That's not the way this team wants to roll. They want to roll with kind of two number one lines. But yeah, the the fact that they're the three they're three players as talented as the three of them are, McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen, but just that they have that built-in chemistry. It's basically the younger version of the perfection line in Boston, and, and you know, unfortunately, we know all too well just, just how deep that, that line can be in Boston, how long it's been that this dominant for. So, I, I'm with you. That's the best line in hockey, and then I, I'm with you as well on what you said about Dreisaitl. I don't know. Maybe it is unfair, but he either gets to play with, with McDavid or go up against secondary competition at any given time so that that's where that's where I kind of knock him down a peg I don't know maybe maybe that's unfair of me I was questioning myself uh, in that when he started off the season scoring you know 20 goals in about 12 games or so but he's uh he's cooled off a little bit so I'm with you there I think uh, McDavid's by himself and then it's Matthews and McKinnon tons of other talented players but yeah that that is the difference between the Leafs and this Colorado team is it feels to me like the Leafs can almost match them or they can match them kind of offensively. You know, Tavares isn't having the season that Kadri's having, but I think we're all very, very happy with John Tavares as your your secondary uh, center there. But it's just the, the back end for the Avs just jumps. And, you know, not to knock Morgan Riley at all, but Kale McCarr is just a special player. And I don't know that there's any defenseman in the league that can kind of match what he does. So I think that's where, when you look at the Avalanche, you'd say that's where they have the edge. But then when you look in between the pipes, I don't know how you can't give it to the Leafs. So, I mean, we're not going to see it again unless these teams meet in the cup final but man those are just two incredibly evenly matched teams and it's kind of nice that they they have the upper hand on one another in in different areas well it's kind of fun that this is this game last night is one of those games that just the points keep coming and coming like people talking talking about different plays different individuals I mean that's what you want to get out of it and really uh, that's where the Ottawa and Edmonton wins and wins decisive wins for the Maple Leafs well particularly against Ottawa you know, um, are a difference point, but there really weren't a lot of talking points after. And, you know, it's funny, even Milan Lucic weighed in about, you know, the concept of the Leafs uh, blowing a three-goal lead, so to speak, kind of saying, hey, I've seen that before. And, of course, people start thinking about the Boston game in the playoffs. My more concern was the Montreal situation where they had leads and couldn't hold on to them to close the series out just about you know just about getting that process and you know you know the in, in good habits about being able to do it but that there just were so many variables that came into play and Colorado was dominating the game in the third period and Sheldon Keefe's candor and you know we got to put in that perspective 
the Leafs really upped the tempo in the first period, and they were exhausted. And the altitude is a real factor out there in Colorado. So in the third period, he, he said, I could see my team getting tired in the second period. And then his other problem was because Colorado had the last change, he really couldn't get the fourth line out there because they would put the McKinnon line out there right away. So he was handcuffed, and we saw you know Clifford struggle behind the net in one of those kind of goals. And you know in a one-goal game against a team like Colorado in the third period generally isn't when Kyle Clifford is out there playing. So it was just interesting, the game behind the game. And then in overtime, Austin Matthews, let's face it, uh, if he could have a do-over, uh, he'd like to have got off the ice. Whether he could, uh, it's debatable because he was the furthest away from the bench. So he probably was trying to get the puck out or hope they could get the puck up. But once he was caught inside, you knew it. It was like it was, it was, like it was me, to use an extreme, okay? <laughs> me in great shape uh, out there. Austin Matthews just gassed. And you knew if the puck's going to stay in there, uh, it's going to be a problem for him. Well, it's so funny we, we mentioned the altitude because I, I was thinking of watching that third period. I'm like, man, this looks like a tired team. Now, part of that is I, I don't know that there's a team in the league that can push the pace the way the Avalanche can, especially at home when they're able to get last change. So part of it is you just haven't played in a game like that. And then the other thing is the altitude. And I think the question we always have with this team is we are so hesitant to give them any excuses, to let them off the hook. I mean, look, and again, it's not an excuse. It shouldn't have mattered. They were able to win games without him. But we didn't even like mentioning that John Tavares was missing for the entirety of the Montreal series because that felt like it was giving this team an out, giving them an excuse. But I do think you have to kind of point to the altitude and say, yeah, that that is a bit of a thing. The fact that they're missing three players too. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and say Pierre Engvall's a difference maker in that game. But man, if you have the fresh legs of Mitch Marner and the fresh legs of Andre Kasha going and they're mixed in with that, you know, it's not Kyle Clifford in the fourth line that's getting caught out there. So, you know, I know I know that this team has had its bugaboos in the past with blowing leads and against a good team, but that didn't feel like blowing the leads against Montreal to me. That didn't feel like no. even the Boston one that Lucic had his his fun about. It just felt to me like that was that there were a few kind of extenuating circumstances, be it the the altitude or be it the, that you had the well not shorter bench, but you were missing some of your players there and it it feels to me like that game is a lot different one if it's not played at altitude okay they have home ice advantage that's fair but two if you just if you had a healthy team missing Marner and missing Kasha feels to me like it's a very different game penalty kill included yeah and and I I love that this week you're going to get Vegas on Tuesday and St. Louis next Saturday also in Arizona Wednesday but I mean in uh, putting those three teams Colorado and St. Louis and Vegas wow those are just great you know this is perfect those kind of tests for the Toronto Maple Leafs to get in, in a state of playoff preparedness. I'll tell you again, because when they're great games, and again, being picky, there's not a problem being picky because I'm still being positive. But one little thing, because I thought when they were when McKinnon, uh, when they made it 3-1, good on Nick Ritchie getting that great goal and Wayne Simmons setting it up so that it's 4-1. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't cave then. They took the play again. The Leafs did in the second period. But I thought when Francois replaced, uh, what came in replaced Dubnik in the first period, you and I talked about it. Leafs were up 3 nothing. I thought they had a couple more glorious, glorious chances, and they passed up on the shot on a cold goaltender coming in. Again, I'm being picky, but when you're killing it, right, at that point when Austin Matthews is just, you know, uh, playing like that skilled guy, getting a couple goal, great goals, when Kerfoot set up that first one, when, you know, so many positives are going, I, I thought they really had a chance because they were dominating play again to get one more for the juggler. 
Yeah, that's that's always the that's always the kind of interesting dance when you have a a goalie come in partway through the game. There's two schools of thought. One school of thought is start firing pucks. This guy is ice cold. You know, maybe you're going to squeak one through. The other school of thought is make sure the first shot he sees is a really really good one. I'm with you. Just pepper the goalie. I mean, there's one play of Nylander. It's burned into my brain. He basically had a breakaway. And no, I'm not talking about the actual breakaway at the end of the game where he didn't get the puck until he got to the goalie. Basically Basically had a breakaway and passed off to Tavares in the high slot. Uh, you know, not gonna not gonna say it's a terrible play getting John Tavares a look, but you're William Nylander. You're leading the team in points. Uh, you know, feel confident to shoot that thing yourself. Uh, I, I'm with you. There was definitely a chance there. You know, Jim Ralph was mentioning last night. He thought they might go back to to the starter, and it, it just uh, you know there there was a world where that could happen. France Francouz for for his credit, he gave him pretty pretty solid minutes. Anytime you can keep the Leafs to just one goal after coming in cold. I think you're going to be pretty pretty happy with that. Um, you know, mentioning the Richie power play goal, this this second look the the first unit of this team's power play has looked a lot better lately. It went on the absolute tear where Matthews is scoring goals left, right, and center on it. But this second unit for the Leafs, it almost doesn't feel like it matters really who's on it. Sometimes it's Richie, sometimes it's Bunting. Simmons is a is a factor out there. Spets is a factor and you know this is a unit that it feels like in not a lot of time they always seem to generate something. They can kind of take what's a frustrating power play and in the last 30 seconds get something out of it and that's exactly what they did last night uh getting getting that goal and you know we'll we'll talk about the brain cramp from Richie at the end of the game taking the penalty but before that I mean you you got to give him credit to to find a way to get that goal. There and after clearing waivers and everything he went through throughout the week. Yeah, and another one, again, officiating did not decide the game. The Colorado Avalanche had the edge, but, you know, Matthews gets a penalty early on. Tavares gets a penalty. You know, they, they're talking neutral zone, offensive zone, players that don't normally get it. Uh, third one was a good penalty. Good play by the D, had to take a penalty. And then, okay, uh, that exa- talk about the exhaustion. That was a big part. And without Mitch Marner, you're as good a penalty killer as you have. And not in the lineup. I mean, that took a toll when you're talking about the exhaustion because, man, when it's the Colorado Avalanche on the power play, you, it's exhausting to try to kill that power play. And then later on, Richie's... Now, the guy did have six of the 23 Leaf hits, okay? Like he was trying to... And probably trying to do too much, but that was a bad penalty to your point. And again, took something out of the team. And then the brutal coincidental that Kadri who could have been called just for interference, or if you weren't going to call it, just leave it. I'm fine with that. But you don't give T.J. Brody an embellishment penalty. That's disgraceful. That's That that call is disgraceful. Again, it did not factor in the game. But smart play by Kadri. He gets the Leafs' best defenseman off when they're killing a penalty. And again, so the, so the Leafs had to, that wasn't a penalty per se, but that was an advantageous situation for for Colorado, getting getting the best defenseman off, which I, which I would take any day of the week when you're – when you're finishing up a power play and then going to play a little bit of four on four. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Kadri's their leading scorer. So maybe this feels a little foolish to say, but you know, if you're going to go around and pick options on the Colorado power play, they're probably okay with it being him to make the trade for TJ Brody. Like it's not Makar, it's not McKinnon. It, you know, it's not even a guy like Rantanen. It, it, like it, again, that's not a knock on Kadri at all. Just kind of shows you exactly how loaded that abs power play is. And yeah, you mentioned the, 
the the penalty on Brody that one drove me nuts I mean that we we've heard so much about game management and I think it was Tim Peel who got got in trouble for for getting caught on the hot mic saying yeah we we need to call one here to even it up or to keep game management going and that felt to me like a game management oh better give TJ Brody an embellishment here we just the the avalanche have a penalty late in the game or a power play late in the game you don't want to take that away from them well why not if and I would have been fine with just calling nothing just make it a wash there but the uh the embellishment on Brody that that made absolutely no sense to me you know in terms of Richie I honestly thought again for Nick Richie we've we've kind of adjusted the goalposts and what you expect from this guy but given given that I thought he played a really solid game up until he took that penalty late you know they highlighted on the broadcast a bit last night that in the shift before that he had a bit of a high headshot on somebody and you know maybe the refs were watching him closer you just you cannot do that for a guy like Richie and you know I, I don't mean it just about him Brett Cini was in the lineup last night I'd say the exact same thing about him when you're on the fringes of a roster like this you just cannot make a mistake like that. It almost feels like it is a bigger negative than the goal is a positive because, you know, there are other players on this team who can score and you just cannot have guys at that point in your lineup. Like Kyle Clifford, he, he's not taking that penalty there and it's just you absolutely kind of cannot afford it. Talking about the avalanche power play and how deadly it is. That must be what it's like for other people to watch the Leafs power play. You know, we're a little we're we're a little blind to it because we're so used to it. But when you're sitting there and, you know, the way I watch a power play anyways is if there's a if there's a singular talent like an Ovechkin or I guess a Matthews, you're kind of watching going, "Okay, have an eye on them. Don't let them get open." With a team like the Avalanche, it seems like every single guy who ends up with the puck on his stick, you're going, "Oh, move it. Uh, too dangerous on McCarr's stick. Too dangerous on Ranton and too dangerous on Landeskog, Kadri, McKinnon." And it feels like that's exactly what it must feel like for a lot of people who, again, we're used to it. We're spoiled getting to watch it every night. But that's what it feels like when other teams are, are watching the Leafs power play and it's rolling as well. Like, there's just the star power is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, that's actually a good point, Brandon. It's funny, Ovi, you bring it up because Ovi being a winger. And I remember, I'm trying to think it was at Randy Carlo. Once he just said, he basically, like, put a man on Ovi and acknowledged yep. it would be <laughs> a four-on-three. strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you, you, yeah, you watch him, watch him try to get open, watch him try to get into his office. And uh, I think the one difference, and, and you're 100% right about two great players going great right now, but when you see Kale McCarr get that goal and you realize he is like the Austin Matthews of defensemen, that when he gets it and there's the tiniest of openings, he can put it in, and that and that's what Austin Matthews does. And there's a few others too, but you know, in the NHL. But I mean that 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 that's that's really really elite. And we've been seeing a few more. I mean, T.J. Brody, he was on that uncharacteristic goal, you know, goal right. scoring tear. We know Morgan Riley did score twenty a few years ago. You can always welcome offense from him. I, I'm really curious to see how Rasmus Sandin continues to evolve. You know, I I like that he. To me, he takes some educated chances and is good at, you know, you know, trying to create some offense, even though he's not, you know, not in top two guy yet, what have you. But uh, I think that would be the one difference. But yeah, those those are two power plays that if you're if you're a PK, you you've got to keep yourself busy and you've got to be active. And uh, uh, it's, they're just going to be all over you. You look up and there's going to be one or two players on you each time. And and you're right. We're, we, 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 we got to pack away the Leafs. Long-time power play woes. I mean, it went for a while, starting last season into this year to all of a sudden, um, thankfully, our faith is being rewarded. Brent, they said, okay, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. This kind of talent, at some point, the power play has to start clicking, and at some point, the power play has been clicking. 
So I don't know what they're at now. Heading into last night's game, they have the second best power play in the league. They got a goal on it last night, so I don't imagine that that percentage tumbled uh, too 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 much. But yeah, to your point, it has been something that you just wonder about, and that's the thing about Makar, right? Is he just feels like a a ceiling changer. Like again, you kind of go up and down the lineup. And I think they mentioned last night, you know, he's the fastest D to 15 goals since 88, 89, anything, anytime you're going back to like the high scoring eighties and setting defenseman records, it's just, it's incredible what he can do. And I, I, I like your point about Sandine. I think he has a lot of a really high ceiling that he could kind of get to offensively. I love the first pass he makes that, that should, you know, you know, translate really well to power play time as, as he gets more of it. And, you know, I mentioned what I've liked out of that second unit. He's the guy who's been back there for most of that. So, yeah, I do think Sandine is a guy is a guy that can definitely uh, kind of grow into that role as well. But, but Riley, I mean, he he's had the big season last night. And then actually, you know, on the I think it was the first Matthews goal. I just like the play by Riley, the simple play, the old Cody Franzen soft wrist or just throw it into traffic in front of the net and see what happens. You know, I think sometimes for a player like Riley, who is so talented, you can think you have to score that Makar type goal last night, but I think he's almost at his best when he's just being really simple on that Leafs power play and just kind of moving the puck efficiently. If it needs to get on net, it gets on net. If it needs to go to the flank, it goes to the flank. Like feels to me like the more simple Morgan Riley's game is on the power play, the better he is. Yeah, and you know it's funny they, that I mean that stat's a phenomenal stat for Makar because keep in mind the '80s. I mean it's 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 kind of yeah. like the Roaring Twenties, right? It's a whole it's <laughs> like you know when there's prohibition or whatever. And uh, and the guy that was the the player, Dave Ellett, had 22 goals that year for the Winnipeg Jets. So he really must have cooled off the latter part of the season. And we know later on, uh, obviously he was part of the Toronto Maple Leaf lineup. And it's funny, uh, you know, he had been scoring in the teens uh, always in in Winnipeg. This was the most he got, 22 that season. Uh, his first full year with the Leafs, 91-92, which really was was not a good first half until the Doug Gilmore and Jamie McCowan trade happened at New Year's. Ellett had 18, and then those great seasons, uh, the great runs in 93 and 94, he had 6 and 7. So it's funny, he went away from being, and I'm trying to remember who took that role, or it was kind of a more balanced role with uh, uh, the guys like McCowan and Todd Gill and, and Bob Rouse and Sylvain Lefebvre and company, that it was... Uh, little more balance with the Toronto Maple Leafs D back then but that that's what we're talking Kale McCarr we're talking back going going back over 30 years ago back when scoring was at a way way different level way higher pace yeah I'm just trying to picture how that would have gone it feels to me like anecdotally and without looking at the numbers it feels to me like a, a fella named Dave Andrichuk who uh, was up until last week the NHL's all-time leading power play goal scorer feels like he would have been uh, whacking home a bunch of rebounds that might have otherwise been uh, Dave, Dave Ellett goals but yeah I mean uh, that's a that, that's a great pull by you and anytime anytime you're going back uh, to the 80s it is a, a special well, special time. And the other one, to, to your Dave Anderjuk point, it was Dave Anderjuk and Glenn Anderson, because you bring up a great point, because Dave Ellett, if you remember a little bit, or people out there, they still advertise now at Scotiabank Arena. But um, when you took a shot from the point at Maple Leaf Gardens, there was the Mr. Sub sign. So it has yep. five letters, right? Mr. Sub. And there was a certain letter they aimed for. <laughs> Honestly, God, Dave Ellett aimed for I remember for you telling certain, me this yeah, last time we were down letter, there. 
because it would hit and then it would come in front and he did it on the power play. And to your point, whether it's and Dave Anderchuk and Glenn Anderson were the two that he was quite often trying to feed. And uh, it's almost like old time baseball fields. Like, like, do they not get that the same thing in curb buildings? You have to think they do. I don't know, but I guess technology with the boards and what have you, but uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Mr. Sub helped uh, Dave Anderchuk and Glenn Anderson, <laughs> <laughs> their appetite for goals and the, uh, the very, and Dave and Dave Ellett became one of the toppings. How about that? I love it. I love it. I don't know. I don't know what the ad is there now, but there is a funky corner at Scotiabank right now. We've already seen two or three kind of crazy chasms come out of there and the Leafs have been lucky enough to take advantage of it there. So yeah, uh, it's not quite the same way as it used to be where you had the rinks with dead boards or the ones that were real lively, but uh, uh, something tells me uh, this, this Leaf season, there's going to be a couple of uh, big time bounces that, that will uh, factor in one way or another, either happy or, or sad. Uh, somebody who's been happy in Leafsland this le- uh, this week, this year, finally healthy again and, and look in the part, Ilya Mikheyev, you know, this guy kind of burst onto the scene a little little bit he he then seemingly every single time found some footing with the team the injury bug bit him I think we all kind of thought there was some ceiling to reach for him and you know he keep, he keeps racking up points he was playing on a line with uh, Tavares and Nylander you know that wasn't necessarily uh it didn't didn't click immediately for them last night but I think I think Mikheyev has just been kind of found money for this team and it's been nice to be reminded of of how important he can be for this group uh, absolutely absolutely and the, you know the one thing we talk about he's 27 years old like he's he's way older than Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews that he's coming over as a a mature player and 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 these guys just haven't worked out by and large they've had this great connection uh to uh Russian ho- Russian hockey and you know the ultimate one was Artemi Panarin coming over all those years ago and being successful at, with first with the Chicago Blackhawks so it's a it's a unique opportunity for NHL teams um, and generally it's the ones that have deeper scouting staffs and you can dig a bit deeper, have good connections. And, but you know, they had not been, uh, bearing the fruit you would have hoped And Mikheyev. I've always, I've always loved his speed. You cannot teach speed, but unfortunately injury, injury, injury. And, uh, just when I think a lot of people were writing him off, Brent, we're, you know, we're seeing this. And if he can be a top six guy, you know, you, you look at what Colorado keeps bringing and keeps bringing. Well, if you can get a Mikheyev guy uh, into the mix at, at that kind of level, well, then the Leafs have another piece to have those lines coming at you the way the Colorado Avalanche do. Well, that's the thing is the, is the speed and, and the size. If you had one, you'd be happy, but he, he has both and you're thrilled about it. And, and again, you know, I, I think the top six for this team when it's healthy is, is pretty much set. You're going to have Marner Matthews with bunting, and then you're going to have Kerfoot with Tavares and Nylander. And it just feels to me like a guy like Mikheyev who can kill penalties. He has a, he, he has some decent hockey sense. He knows how to get his stick in passing lanes. He just, it feels to me like he is just the perfect guy to find a home eventually with Camp and Kasha on that energy kind of shutdown line and again if he can add just a little bit of offense to that group all of a sudden you've got Pierre Engvall on a fourth line with with Simmons and Spezza and who knows if Richie is still a factor in here and it's just Mikheyev is the guy that feels to me like can really kind of just make this team a little deeper a little longer and that that's where it feels like he's at he'll he'll ultimately settle with this team is on that kind of checking line with Camp and Kasha yeah you know you know uh, at some point when you start uh, previewing playoffs now it's still a while away but right now if I was looking at 16 teams in the playoffs and and uh, you know and how they might do and you had to say for all 16 you had to put an x factor at the bottom right Mm. 
Mikheyev would be the guy for the Leafs. Like, just, just that mystery factor, right? And, you know, and uh, the other 15 teams I'll leave for later on, and we have to figure out which teams are in the playoffs. But right now, to me, that that is that guy. Could could this guy, you know, the X factor? And if he isn't the X factor, it's going to kind of be like Freddie Anderson that, uh, you know, at some point without playoff success, those those players just kind of leave with a whimper, not a bang, because it's, uh, it's not like it was Freddie's fault. He didn't even play last year in the playoffs. But not having playoff success, fans kind of accepted, okay, you know, something else has to be done moving forward. And in a smaller way, you know, the guys like the Mikheyevs of the world all of a sudden, because he's looking to get – He's looking to get some coin. He's up at the end of this season, and, you know, he's, a, he's an older player, and uh, um, aren't a lot of guys looking for coin. But, you know, there's a few guys, like, kind of in that boat that the, their, their play in the playoffs and the team's play will, will decide about moving forward as a Leaf or not. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty safe to say kind of one way or another, Mikheyev's time as a Leaf is probably over because either it's going to work and he's going to be due that, that raise, that coin that he, if he keeps playing this way, he's going to get and there's no chance they'll be able to fit it in. And if it doesn't work, well, it doesn't work and you don't necessarily want to take uh, another, another crack at that. So enjoy the next, uh, you know, four, five, hopefully six months of uh, Ilya Mikheyev in a, in a Leaf sweater because I don't think we'll be seeing too, too much of it uh, beyond this, this year. Uh, one one other guy I, I did want to touch on, you know, I mentioned him in the post game show last night. I thought he, I thought he played great. I think he's, I think this has been easily his best season as a Leaf. Is is Alex Kerfoot? You know, he's up on the line with Matthews last night. He opens the scoring. He's found a really, really solid home with Tavares and Nylander for me. And again, you know, we're always going to come back to the trade. We're always going to come back to the contract. But I think if you can kind of put at least the trade behind you, uh, I, I'm just thrilled that this guy is a Leaf because it feels to me like, yeah, you'd love him at maybe a million less per season but this is a guy who can play in your top six you know if you absolutely need to he can play a little center his versatility has just been it's been really nice to see and this kind of goes back to last year's playoffs when when Tavares was out well you know I got uh, I'm a little biased because uh, I got to meet him once when I was filling in in the old primetime sports show and he was in to help pro- promote Dominic Moore's smash ball right the uh, mm. ping pong type thing for great events fun yeah and of course, he went to Harvard too, which any Smarty of pants. us on this on these radio airwaves did not go to. So he's a smart guy, and uh, you know the the trade, the 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 ugliness and the tox, toxicity of that trade had nothing to do with the players involved. It had Mike Babcock deciding that he had to stand up to because he figured he knew Kyle Dubas had Sheldon Keefe there warming up in the bullpen, and uh, Mike Babcock was going to. Uh, going to prove that uh, he was the most powerful coach going. And we'd seen the awkward press conference the previous year, right? The Babcock end-of-year coach thing, and then oh, yeah. Dubas, GM, and you said, um, excuse me, are you guys with the same team? Like <laughs> You sound like two separate teams. So uh, Dubas makes the trade, and it's almost Babcock. Okay, Tyson Berry, yeah, you know what? He's going to play the Mike Babcock way. Well, that's not why he was acquired. And in another way, Brent, Kerfoot kind of, to me, was was uh, a victim of that as well that it just wasn't made comfortable you know and, and and i mean there's only so much you can do like we're seeing with nick ritchie right there's only so much you can do but there there is a part when you trade for some players you want you want to be able to exploit what you saw in them the positives and babcock just decided it was going to be his way not the tyson berry way and to a lesser extent not the alex kerfoot way so i was glad to see him score against his old team uh, or set it up against his old team you always love to see or, or, or excuse me bunting set up to him score against his old team you always love to see that and yeah he's got he's got speed they got a lot of speed in this leaf team and he's being able to exhibit it more effectively now 
trying to think. It feels like the only two two acquisitions Babcock was ever happy about were Zach Hyman and, and John Tavares. Because I even remember the Jake Muzzin trade, and and Jake Muzzin's been a stalwart for this team. His play a little uneven at the beginning of this year, but up until this point, that's been a slam dunk of a trade for the Leafs. And do you remember what Babcock said when he got asked about that? Oh, it's great. He just shoots with the wrong hand, and it's like, oh my goodness, just make yeah. use of the player that's here. So yeah, that uh, that that was a uh, common pattern. And of course, how can we talk about this without mentioning? Uh, Jason Spezza and him getting a healthy scratch to uh, start his Leafs tenure, man. It, yeah. uh, it was never easy. It was never easy. And the other one he loved, Honey. Yes. Matt Hunwick. Remember that? <laughs> honey. I, mean, I do. Jeez. How could you not like Matt Hunwick? But jeez, he had him playing Norris, Tro- Morris Trophy contender minutes or something. <laughs> like, Honey. Anyway, uh, it's uh, it's always good if, you know, if you're a teacher's pet. Mike Babcock, that was an important part. Be a, be a teacher's pet or not. Well, and uh, I'll give him credit where credit is due. It's always, you know, I don't, I don't know that this is how it went, but I always envisioned. So Zach Hyman, he played at the University of Michigan. That's when Dylan Larkin was there. Larkin was the big Wings prospect, and I always envision the Wings saying, "Hey, Babs, did you check out Larkin tape? Did you see it?" And him just going. What about this 11? What about this Zach Hyman? Got to get him in the fold. So if he had anything to do with that acquisition, uh, I uh, I have to give him uh, credit there because uh, we all know everybody loved uh, them some Zach Hyman, uh, Mike Babcock included. Oh, man, it's just so good to be talking about actual hockey, having it back. Uh, the Leafs have a busy, busy week coming up. We'll preview that. Plenty more to look, uh, look at across the NHL as well. Uh, the Leafs this week will continue next on Sportsnet 590 The Fan with me, Brent Gunning, and Gord Stellick alongside me. As an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake doctor's orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on demand. The Leafs this week, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Uh, not the game the Leafs were hoping for last night, but an exciting one for all of us to watch. It was a 5-4 overtime loss to the Avalanche. Of course, the Leafs taking care of business with a win against the Oilers earlier this week. And they started the new year off with a 6 nothing thumping of the Sens last Saturday. Uh, Leafs, busy, busy week uh, coming up here. Uh, some more tough tests. And uh, let's be honest, a nice little vacation in the desert. I'm sure I just jinxed them with that, uh, Gord. Uh, this this week coming up, uh, the next game should be a fun one. The Vegas environment, always interesting. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, always a tough test. Uh, Native Sun, Alex Pietrangelo will be there. Uh, whatever angle you want, uh, it should be a fun game on Tuesday night uh, in the desert against uh, the, the Golden Knights. And I don't, I don't mind the fun trip where they are in the standings. You remember a couple of years ago when Sheldon Keefe had them in the right direction? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they were in Florida, and they put all those pictures out about uh, being on that fishing trip, which is oh, great. Yeah. But then they, they, they stunk against the Florida Panthers in a four-point game they didn't seem to realize was a four-point game. Remember that? I do. Oh, yeah. I do. So, well, well, here, so, but, and also keep in mind Arizona, it's home sweet home for their, uh, for their most important player in Austin Matthews. So he'll be looking forward to that. But it's the other three games, uh, one last night, Tuesday in Vegas, next Saturday against St. Louis. So they're going to play the elite. And let's face it, if we had a chance, anybody out there listening right now that, ha- that, you know, does some kind of work that involves travel and it was something comparable to say the Leafs in the NHL right now, and you get to go, a uh, little bit warmer place, full buildings again at a time. 
you know, when we have empty buildings once again in the Toronto area, uh, the timing couldn't be more perfect. Uh, we know there'll be no PPD that we've had the last little while getting set to do a game and finding out at the maybe not the 11th hour, but the ninth hour that had been postponed. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to more games like that last night that you get to watch and hear with full, even though it's the opposing fans, uh, I think it's a positive for the Toronto Maple Police being the visiting team, having full houses they're playing against. Oh, for sure. And I don't know that you could ask for kind of better uh, crowd environments. Uh, you know, the Avalanche game, uh, I, it's impossible not to have a good crowd when you have the Leafs and Avalanche playing the way they did last night. And then Vegas, you know, that's not just any crowd. That's arguably, you know, I'm not going to say one of the most raucous fan bases, but definitely one of the most raucous arenas. So it's going to be, it, you know, that's going to be a, a fun, fun environment. Uh, and yeah, it is a little different staying up at 10 o'clock to watch a Leafs team that is absolutely uh, rolling. Uh, unlike uh, when when it was uh, when it was that Florida trip, or even Keith uh, taking him out to the desert uh, for for the first time, uh, you know, obviously Austin Matthews has been on fire lately. I don't know why we'd expect him uh, to slow down. I mean, th- this game against Vegas, uh, you know, th- it's going to be a tough test for them. Vegas is a team that pretty much since they've come into the league has played fast, heavy hockey, and I think that you know maybe not the speed, but the physicality of the game is something that's always going to be a bit of a question mark for this Leafs team. So I think it'll just be. You know, it'll just be another nothing is the measuring stick game that 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 was against Colorado. But it just feels like that's another chance for them to kind of check that box, because anytime you're playing against the team that's as physical and has the strong goaltending and decent depth up front that the Golden Knights do, it's just another box to check of, of just how ready are you for that type of hockey? Yeah, you know, and uh, it's um, boy. Those fans are spoiled, spoiled fans in Vegas. They don't know what it's like. They have no clue. Yeah, they should be like (laughs) Seattle. It should have been like Seattle is this year, the the pains. But, you know, last year, really, had Marc-Andre Fleury not had that flub, they would have been in the finals against Tampa Bay, right? There were all these events that went the Montreal Canadiens' way, and he just had that flub handling the puck, which really was a, a, a series changer in many ways. So you're talking about a team that had real hockey injuries this year, not not COVID, but real hockey <laughs> injuries, has hung around, hung around, continue to thrive, and at some point, they had the best player they'll ever have in their history, a guy we saw a lot playing in Buffalo and Jack Eichel, injected in the roster. Like, that's, like that's wow. You talk about a wow factor, which you did about Colorado, and there's a lot of wow to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but man, oh man, the Vegas Golden Knights, the way they're playing, and then when they get Jack Eichel, and if he's anywhere close to 100%, Brent, ouch. I, I can't wait to see Eichel healthy because, you know, selfishly I'm thrilled it's not going to happen in a Sabres uniform because that guy just had the feel to me, one, of, you know, he we talk so much about the individual rivalries in this game, and Matthews, McDavid, that's one. Of course, you know, the 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 through line of this league for the last basically 15 years has been Crosby Ovechkin, but it feels to me like Jack Eichel would love nothing more than to have a great individual rivalry with Austin Matthews. You know, if it wasn't for Matthews, Eichel would be the American savior that they were all kind of talking about. Went second overall in his draft year because of McDavid. He's always going to be kind of behind Matthews, and I, I can't wait to see him healthy because I-, I think he's just a a tremendous player, and the-, the numbers he was able to put up in the limited time he actually played on not great teams in Buffalo I I can't wait to see what a player like that will look like in you know on a real hockey team with with real ambitions of doing stuff in the playoffs because I think I think we've all been kind of short shifted not seeing to get a guy like that playing games that matter yet yeah and I know we're gonna we'll kind of go we do this on Leafs this week go a little bit all over the place which is fine because you know but I just thought about you know the the hype of a Matthews 
number one overall and Eichel number two overall. So many neat stories. And Jack Campbell, as we know, is such a neat story. What about Zach Fucali? What about that? I mean, yes. here's the guy, second-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, had success as a junior, had success in the Spangler Cup, as we missed both those tournaments this year. Like, buried, dead, gone, been playing in the ECHL by and large, and here he gets his second start now. Uh, I, I What, three months apart? <laughs> I think yeah. his first start was three <laughs> months ago. That's kind of the number three goaltender in Washington, and he has the longest shutout streak ever, for the start of their career, and it was only broken on a delayed penalty when he went to the bench, and it was basically an own goal. The Capitals passed it back, defenseman missed it, and all of a sudden, I, I like those kind of neat stories. I don't know how much of it's COVID-related that he's getting this opportunity, but, you know, uh, uh, who knows where he can find a home somewhere, but right now, uh, all, all these years later, when Montreal Canadian fans thought he would be the, the backup and maybe heir apparent to Carey Price, uh, I, I got a smile because he was a class guy, and we certainly remember cheering for him with Team Canada, don't we, Brent? That's right, and yeah, not not many guys. Uh, you know, there there are guys who play in the NHL and then play in the Spengler Cup. It's not often it goes kind of the other way around, where you're playing in the Spengler and you're in the a- ECHL, and all of a sudden you're you're setting NHL records. You have to you have to have a smile looking at, at that. And again, yeah, the fact that he's a former World Junior goalie, of course, we all kind of have the memories of him. And honestly, you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. Enjoy what's happening there for Fukali, but. I think you look no further than the guy who's celebrating his birthday today, Leafs goalie Jack Campbell, and say, eh, you never know what can happen. This is a guy who's 26 years old, just a couple years younger than Campbell was when he kind of started to turn things around in L.A., and then, of course, he got the run in Toronto here. And, you know, I'm not saying Zach Fucali is going to be Jack Campbell or become anything kind of close to that, but I think we looked at exactly what happened in a goalie with pedigree, and it takes him a while to figure it out. And I don't know, I wouldn't be astonished if, if Fukali's all of a sudden able to, you know, find an NHL career for himself and teams are taking a look next year. Well, and you know, just good things happening to good people. And Jack Campbell, what what a good what a good people he has been. And I wonder which which start Peter. Maybe the most important thing is how does Peter Morazic play this week? We're kind of forgetting Great it. Question. That you know, so he'll get one of those two starts against Vegas and Arizona. I mean, do you give him the easier one, or do you throw him a little bit more and say, you know, uh, but well, but Jack Campbell, good things happening to good people, and that's that's certainly been Jack Campbell's case, and it seems like uh, Zach Fucaldi's face as well. But again, looking ahead, maybe that's the most intriguing thing. We'll talk next Sunday. Are we going to be talking about uh, Peter Morazic having a Zach Fucaldi type game, or about oh my goodness, he got hurt again? Oh my goodness, he looked rusty. You know, or maybe he plays two of the games. I don't know. I I, I although I'd find that hard. You got to keep you got to keep Campbell going, the Campbell machine going the way he's playing right now, because it's not like you've been playing a ton of games oh man i i still i know you were just as dumbfounded although he does it every game i could not believe he said it was his fault they lost last night the guy you made upwards of 40 saves including one of the best ones we've seen all season and man i know that's just kind of who he is and it's what Mm -hmm. he says but i i could not believe those words uh came out of his mouth i believe keith has said they are going to give Campbell two of the starts uh, this week coming up. I don't see how you don't start him against Colorado. It feels like Morazic against Arizona. Ease him back in. That just feels like the perfect thing for me. But you need that guy to play well because, no, not that you need Morazic right now. This schedule has allowed the Leafs to pretty much just play Campbell for, I don't know, going on a month and a half straight now. But at a certain point in time this year, you're you're going to need Morazic. So I think it's really important that whatever game he gets in this, this week he plays well because 
until the schedule really picks back up. And at some point it's going to, but until that happens, Mrazic's not going to get a ton of run. And we know goalies can be a little fickle. We know confidence can kind of come and go with all positions, but especially at that one. And that's why it feels to me like you, you need Mrazic to have a strong game. And I, I imagine it's against Arizona on Wednesday. So I got to tell you, a lot of people listening out there. So, Brent, you've got a young, just over one-year-old who you've uh, astutely named Gordon, um, which um, I've, I, we've got two kids. They're not kids anymore, young adults. Uh, Jesse's 22, Justin's 18. But when they're younger, and, of course, I grew up with my brother Bob, and, you know, everyone's got. So wouldn't you love to have a sibling like Jack Campbell that takes the blame all the time? Oh, like, it seriously. would be amazing. Because normally what are parents doing? What are they refereeing, right? They're <laughs> refereeing the brothers and sisters, arguing that it's, the other person's fault right nobody ever takes ownership of everything jack campbell what an ideal sibling the best the best oh man i'm just picturing my own sister and all the no brent really did it yeah well one time you could take ownership uh yourself there yeah that's a great man that is a that is a wonderful wonderful point by you jack campbell good teammate arguably better teammate in the house. I don't even know if he does have siblings, but if he does, uh, yeah, man, that's just, uh, that is a godsend to have after you of just, yes, please, please, please. Uh, it's your fault, right, Jack? Right? It's your fault? Yeah, okay, it's my fault. Oh, that's uh, that's too funny, Gord. That's, uh, that's well said. Uh, the other two games this week, we mentioned Arizona there. Uh, Austin Matthews homecoming. I expect him to have a big night every single time he, he performs anywhere. Uh, feels like Arizona's always a little special, rarely gets held off the score sheet there and if he can take I don't know 80% of what he was in that Colorado game and and carry it through to this week it's going to be a special week because again I you know it gets a little overshadowed with how the way the game ended but I don't I really don't think we can overstate just how dominant he was in that game last night oh no absolutely absolutely like like it was it was him and McKinnon like what what a treasure and we missed that with Connor McDavid even though it was an empty building like we want to see like you say and Jack Eichel get back the great players like the Patrick Canes of the world the Sidney Crosby's the Ovi's like come on it's just wonderful to watch them play and play at 100 percent you know one thing Arizona has been playing a little bit better of late they had a big 6-4 win against Chicago a couple of days ago uh, I mean, let's face it, there's there's very few teams that have been written off not being in the playoffs. I mean, the whole Metropolitan Division, you got, you know, basically everyone's still thinking they have a chance in New Jersey and the Islanders and Philadelphia and Columbus, right? The four teams that are yep. out of it are all, even though they're out of it by quite a chunk, they're, they're, they're not writing themselves off quite yet. So um, Arizona's rebuild, though, man, that's it's it's. There's challenging, there's beyond challenging, and it's ridiculously challenging. And if they trade Chickering and do whatever, but that's not the least problem. That's not our problem, but they have been competing better of late. So that, that that is one positive for, boy, you have to be a diehard Coyotes fan. That's one positive for them. That's true. That's true. Whoever is the uh, the young Austin Matthews there, uh, just just loving Jacob Chikrin and uh, Phil Kessel, whoever that is down there, uh, they definitely have to prove uh, they love it. Yeah, hey, we, we spent all this time this week talking about Kadri. It feels like a thousand years since since he's been a Leaf, but man, uh, you know, not a return to town, but a return playing against the Leafs for Phil Kessel. Uh, you know, the era here for him didn't go the way anybody wanted it to in terms of playoff success, but man, uh, he was definitely a, a bright light for the Leafs in his time here and I think I think there's still a lot of people in this market that are always happy uh, whenever they get to see uh, Phil Kessel play yeah Brent we talked about it last night that and we talked with Kipper about it on Leafs Nation pregame Nick Kiprios but just it's kind of, it's kind of like Zach Hyman two really appreciated players but it's understood why they had to go and in Hyman's case it's understood about the cap situation 
in Kadri's case, actually, he he was under a you know a really good uh, contract. Lou Lamorello had signed him six years at four point five million per season, but back to back years, just the inexcusable in the playoffs. And and boy, the second time, I mean, they 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 dis like distanced themselves from him. They were so ticked off on the the leaf front that it would happen a second time in the playoffs. And and then to his credit, well, first his discredit, he did it again with Colorado. So now you're wondering, <laughs> oh boy, but he comes back. And he's fourth or fifth. He's been fifth and fourth in the NHL in scoring. And he says, I'm not going away from that. And if he can, so weird because he never really did it during the season that much. You know, you can remember when he grabbed Joe Thornton's beard, kind of having a tussle. Oh, yeah. and, you know, we like that. We like that fire in him. I don't know why it just went crazy in the playoffs so often. But uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'll always be happy for him. I'll always be happy for Zach Hyman, wherever they're playing. Yeah, for for sure. Uh, man, Kadri, a peop, uh, there are still a ton a ton of fans of his. And yeah, uh, grabbing the chunk out of Joe Thornton's beard, seeing it sitting there in the center ice. Uh, we've seen a lot of things in the game of hockey. I think it'll be a while until uh, we see that again. Uh, just quick little spin around the league uh, before we finish up here. A few interesting games from last night. Uh, speaking of Joe Thornton, his Panthers, 4-3 overtime winners over the Hurricanes. I keep saying it. Uh, the, that game against the Panthers is going to feel like one of the biggest ones this season, eventually, when the Leafs eventually get to play. Play them. They've been the team at the top of the division all year long, and it's just it's just weird that you haven't seen them and you won't see them until March. And that's the way the schedule's been the last couple of years. It's like there's a certain template the schedule maker has. You'll notice that, and then year after year after year, there's a lot of similarities. And Leaf fans almost, I don't know if they still have to get educated that the Florida Panthers are arch rivals. Maybe do a bit because we've thought of Boston all the time and Montreal all the time and then Tampa Bay's crept into it. But yeah, these are going to be these are going to be great previews for it because you have to get your, you know, basically probably out of your division first. I know there's wild card situations that maybe you play a team in the other division in some cases, but yeah, these kind of battles, uh, Florida is going to be one of those places that you're going to need to go through. And it's the most difficult it's ever been in Florida since, since they went to the final all those decades ago. Yeah, no rats, please, this time, if you if you go on a good run. Uh, <laughs> throw something else. I'm fine with that. Just the rats, uh, a little icky for me, but a uh, great memory nonetheless. <laughs> well, we had uh, years ago uh, a guy named Josh Rimmer because his Florida connection. So I had, I had one of those rubber rats, and <laughs> for whatever reason, and uh, um, my, my now wife and I were living in the condominium together, and whatever it was, she came home once and the it was and it was so real looking right i didn't i didn't put it there on purpose it just happened to be there and it scared the bejesus out of her to say the least yeah so so uh, so so no rats we could do without them all right, there we go. And, uh, and, a, and a Rimmer mention, uh, Doug McLean is smiling uh, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Uh, Gordo, always fun doing this. Uh, we'll be back with pods after every game this week. We've got the full game uh, on Wednesday night in Arizona. Uh, always fun getting on with you, and uh, it's been a pleasure, Gord. Been fun. Let's keep it going every Sunday, and let's keep the games going. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun, that's for sure. Have a good one. Yeah, same to you and same to you all out there. Andrew Dutch Holland on the Wheels of Steel keeping us on the air. Uh, check out this pod wherever it is you get your pod on the Leafs Nation feed. We'll be back after every game for the rest of the season. Thanks so much for listening to the Leafs this week on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.